Well, it is so good to be with you today, and uh, for those of you that are new with us, my name is Casey, and I want to welcome you, and for everyone else, welcome back. For those of you online, welcome, and thank you for letting us join you for, from wherever you are. Hey, Westside, let's make those that are new with us and those online feel a part of us today. Let's welcome them, thank them for being with us, let them know how much we love them. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, today we do begin a new series called Put a Bit in It, and the reason is, is your words are powerful. Your words have the, the ability to, to they can be water to a dry soul. You, your words can wreck havoc also in a relationship, leaving behind a wreckage that is very difficult to restore. Your words can build, build trust, and your words in the same time frame can destroy trust. Words create possibilities. The ideas shape the future. Our small words make a big difference, and our small words really are what direct our lives. So we must learn to harness these words and harness their power for good. There's a proverb that um, is not in your notes, but it's a proverb that I've learned and I memorize. And it's Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, the, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will enjoy or will eat of its fruit. Our tongue has this power within us. And to, this series is to help you understand through the worldview of, of the scripture and through the scripture of Jesus and through Jesus' teaching, how do we use our words? How do we use our words to harness our words for the good? And I want to help you understand that every word that is formed from your mouth, every word that is fueled by the breath that God gives you, Every word has, is powerful and every word you speak is within your control and you're responsible for it. And so here's our series big idea that we're going to be going through over the next several weeks. Our words have power and we are responsible to harness them for the benefit of others. Your words have power. Every word you speak has power. And what you do with your words, you are responsible for what you do with your words. You're responsible for the words you shape and you form. If the circumstances aren't responsible, they inform it, but you are in total control of the words that come out of your mouth. And you're responsible to use those for the benefit of others. And those who followed Jesus in the first century, those who were a part of the first century church and were closest to the teachings of Jesus, they knew this more than ever. And there was the one who uh, speaks most pointedly about our words was the half-brother of Jesus, James. And if you know, if you're, you're skeptical of who Jesus is or you're trying to investigate the authenticity of Jesus in scripture, you need to study James. You need to look into who James was. James was the half-brother of Jesus. James grew up hearing Jesus preach and teach. He actually grew up before Jesus preached and teach. And he, he grew up in, in, in the household of Jesus. And when Jesus would begin preaching and teaching in his ministry, and Jesus was making claims like he's the Messiah, he was affirming that he was the son of David. He was making claims like, I'm the one who is to save people from their sins. And, and, and Jesus was also making radical claims beyond this, that he was God. And James didn't believe him. In fact, James didn't come to believe in Jesus until after Jesus came back to life and appeared to James. Then James put his faith in his brother. 
Jesus. Now, now it, 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 James believed in Jesus so much, he believed that he knew what it was to follow him. See, Jesus, Jesus according to James, and this is how he would open up a letter, a letter that he would write, James would write to a church that he led a church that, that he was uh, a spiritual leader of. And he would open up this letter saying, uh, from James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you gotta see how remarkable this is. I mean, how many of you have a brother or sister? I mean, every one of us have a mom. That's why I didn't ask that question. I mean, could you imagine saying of your brother or your sister, uh, he's my God, he's my Lord, he's my savior. This is how much... Jesus, this is how Jesus transformed James's life. He believed that Jesus was not only his savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, but he was also God and his Lord, and he was submitted and he was his servant to him. And because of this, Jesus uh, would influence James, and, and, and James believed that he must obey what his brother taught. He must obey his brother. And he would write something to a church in the same vein, he would say this to them. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I'm so grateful that you didn't do that this morning. I'm so grateful that you look good and you showed up and, um, and, and you didn't forget what you look like um, after doing this. Now, this when he's saying this, I just want to pause because you need to understand the context of what he's saying. Earlier in verse 21, he tells us what the word is. He tells us that the word was planted in them that, that leaves them to save them. That, that, that the word that was planted in them is what saves them. And that word is the good news of Jesus. This is the word. The word is the gospel message, the gospel word of Christ. And he said, this is the word that you don't need to listen to the word and just forget about it. You, and he's like, this, this is like those, like those who listen to the word, those who listen to the gospel message and, and see themselves and, and they don't understand how they should look like in, the, in light of what Jesus has done for them. Or the, they, they forget who they are in light of what the good news of Jesus is. It's like someone who looks at a mirror and forgets who they are, forgets what they look like and just walks away. After looking at the mirror, forget who we are in Jesus, and then go and live and, 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 that's, and doesn't do what it says. But he says, he goes on to say that, that, that those who have, but whoever looks intently into, and I want you to see this, into the perfect law that gives freedom. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in whatever they do. See, the response to the good news of Jesus, the response to the word of God is in the gospel message of Jesus is to obey the perfect law that Jesus gives. See, looking, and that's why we, that James says, looking into this perfect law, looking into it and continuing in it, not forgetting it, but doing what the perfect law of God says. And see, or the perfect law of Jesus. See, in this, there is a blessing in obeying the perfect law of Christ. This is what James is wanting you to know. 
That because of the, the gospel of Jesus and, and the law, that, uh, the, uh, the, the perfect law, that we are continuing in this perfect law, there's a blessing for those who continue in this perfect law, who do this perfect law. See, there's a freedom for you. And, and you experience freedom when you're under Christ's law, under his perfect law. And guess what? You don't, aren't the only one who gets to experience freedom. You can be a voice and you can be an example and a taste of the good news of, to others of the freedom they can experience being under Christ's law. This is the law Jesus gave, Christ's law, the perfect law. And this perfect law, is what Jesus gave the night before he would go to a cross and he'd have his disciples there and he would establish a new covenant with a new humanity. And with this new covenant came this new command. And it didn't mean that the old command was bad. It mean, meant that that old command was, had served its time and now this would become a fulfillment of the old commands and all of this, this new command with this new covenant people would be this guiding ethic of his church, of his people, of this new humanity. And what he would say is this, a new command I give you, love one another. And he didn't say, because this is what we would do. See, we would, we would say, okay, I can love one another. I'll love as my mom loved me. And that could be good or bad. I'll love as my dad loved me, or I'll love my, as my grandma loved me. He didn't say, love as your neighbor has loved you, or do, you know, love as, as someone has, and you just reciprocate in kind. No, he goes, no, no, no. He wanted to clarify this, and he wanted you to have stark clarity of what it means to love one another. And so he gives you the clearest picture. He gives all of us the clearest picture of what love really is. And he says, as I have loved you, as I have loved you, so you must, you are required to love one another. And then he says this, by this, by you loving others as I have loved you, by that type of love, will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The leaders in the first century church, the apostles and those who were spreading the gospel, this good news message of Jesus took this perfect law of Christ and, 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 and taught this. They taught this as the law of of Christ. Paul, who is responsible for most of the New Testament, would, would say in like Galatians 6 verse 2 that we are to bear one another's burdens and so therefore fulfill the law of Christ. He would say to a church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he would say, I am obligated or I am under Christ's law. He would then go to describe when, with beautiful poetic words that were inspired by God and write 1 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, something that might have even been on a card that you gave your mom today. It might have even been things that you said during your wedding. He would give you this beautiful example of what it means to be under the perfect love and the perfect law of Christ. John, the disciple who wrote this passage and to make sure that we understood what this new covenant command was for this new covenant people, he would write to the church that he was over and he would, he would say <clears throat> these, <clears throat> excuse me, in these letters and he would describe that this is what it means, that, that this is how we fulfill the, love, the commands of God. This is how, what it means to love God as we love others in 1 John verse four. See, the law of Christ is this. The law of Christ is to love all others as Jesus has loved you. This is the law of Christ. The law of Christ, this is the perfect law that James says is perfect because it brings exact clarity. 
as to what love looks like. It brings exact clarity of what love requires of you in the moment. And it's not just to love God. See, you can, there are many people that, that say they love God, but they don't love others. And Jesus would say, you cannot love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength without loving others. Because when, he's asked, when he stated what the greatest command was, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it, he hitches it to the first and says to love your neighbor as yourself. What he does It says, you can love people and not love God, but you cannot love God and say you love God without loving people. And the question would be, what people then can I not love? And Jesus would make this starkly clear when he would identify who our neighbor is. And yes, your neighbor is the one in need, but your neighbor also includes your enemy. Because he would say things like, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. So the law of Christ is to love all others. The way God, through Jesus, has loved us. It's perfect and clear. And Jesus would identify this clarity through, this, through, through his life. And how he's loved us now becomes the standard by which we love others. And here's the reality is we all fall short of this standard, don't we? At least I do. We all fall short of this standard. And what does this mean? Does this mean that we then don't strive to love love others the way Christ has loved us? No, it means that we don't do it out of our own effort. This is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. This is why when we put our trust in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit enables you, empowers you to love others the way God through Jesus has loved you. And this ethic, this new command, this perfect law of Christ is what the first century authors would teach the church. And they would continue to tell the church to love one another. This was what encouraged them to say all these one another's of scripture that you read about in the New Testament, that husbands, you ought to love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Wives, you are to submit to your husband. You are to love your husband in this way. That, that, that parents, you are to love your kids. That bosses, this is how you love your, your employees. Employees, this is how you love your bosses. This is how you love your enemies. We love each other through this one filter, the way Jesus has loved us. This is the law of Christ. This is what James says. If you fulfill this, you have true freedom. So don't just look at the gospel message and walk away and say, I don't know what I need to do. See, the gospel message gives us clarity into the perfect law of Christ by which we live and know what therefore we do. And this would be true religion. I mean, this is how we live out our faith. In fact, this is what James would go on to say. Those who consider themselves to be religious and do not yet keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I just want to pause right here because I don't know if you caught it. I mean, a lot of times we catch verse 27. I love verse 27. I mean, true religion, he says, is, is, is what our father accepts is looking after the orphans and the widows. And in this day and age, I mean, this, 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 man, this was huge. This was huge. It was so culturally acceptable just to kind of put them in the outcast. But we look at verse 27 and we miss verse 26. But look what verse 26 says again. Those who consider themselves religious, which I think every one of us would say we are people of faith. 
Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Don't get mad at me. This is James. Let this sink in for a second. I mean, really, I mean, this, this is serious. If you don't control your tongue, it's worth, your, your, your faith is worthless. That word worthless could also mean empty. could mean idle. It's like you have a faith like a car. I mean, it's like, the, why have a car if the car has no engine? Or if it has no transmission? Or you're just going to be in neutral and go nowhere? He's like, if you can't control your tongue, your faith is idle. Your religion means nothing, has no value if you don't control your tongue. So James, what you're telling us is this. <laughs> Those who live according to Christ's word or the gospel of Jesus and obey Christ's law, they are the people who control their tongue. So keep a tight rein on it. They put a bit in it. Secondly, they care for the the last and the least. These are who the orphans and the the, the widows who were in distress, they exemplified and they, they, they were the last and the least and they commit to a life of holiness. See, their lives are not polluted by the world they live in. The world doesn't affect the way they live or the way they walk and the world doesn't affect the way they talk. So why do we need to control our tongue? care for the lost and the least and commit to a life of holiness? Well, this, James would say, shows that we're not just hearers of this gospel message. It doesn't just come into our ears and we go, man, that's a good story. No, we're doers. We believe in it because it's not just belief in our head that, hey, this is a great principle to live. No, we trust it enough that we're going to live this out. It's going to change everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. This shows that we're hearers, not just doers. This shows we have faith. This is the proof that our religion is worth everything. In this series, we're going to focus on this first idea of controlling our tongue. Because I believe that if we learn to control our tongue, and if we learn to do that, our, as we are doing these other things as Christ, follow, as Christ followers, it will add more meaning and more value to our, what we are doing. And the gospel of message will have more power through how we leverage our words. And this makes our faith pure. See, making our faith, it, it, this is what gives that, that this, 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 the strength to our faith. And we can't overlook this responsibility we have with our tongues. Because from our words that comes from the breath God gives us, our faith will either be impotent or powerful. Our faith will either be meaningless, worthless, or valuable. And we have the responsibility to control our tongue for the benefit for the benefit of others. And this is what the Apostle Paul would teach. The Apostle Paul would take this ethic of Christ, this new command, this, the law of Christ, and teach that this is how you control your words with it. And in this, he, he, he would say in Ephesians chapter four, you were taught to this church in Ephesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Now, let me just pause for a second because I want you to catch the parallels in Paul's teaching with how James teaches. So here, Paul's saying, you were taught with regard to your former way. So you used to live a certain way. 
in this former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires. Remember what James said, don't live in, in this world polluted by the world, you know, pursue holiness. And so you're taking off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires. And you're to be made new in the, look at this, the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, when you put your trust in Jesus, you are made new. You are born again is what John 3 would tell us. You are made new. The Holy Spirit inhabits you. He gives you a brand new life in Christ and and you are made new. And what we have to do, so that's God's work in us. And we have a partnership. We, in, in following Jesus, in pursuing him, in obeying Christ's law, We obey him. And as we do the work of obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we are taking off our old self that is corrupted by our selfishness, our sinful way of life. Those things that honor me above you and and those things that put me at the forefront and not you at the forefront and God at the forefront because I want to honor God by loving you. And any of these things that we do that I'm putting off that old way of living that's corrupted and polluted, as James would say, corrupted as Paul would say. And I'm putting on this new life. Uh, Paul would say to a church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, that if it, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old things keep on going away and the new thing, the new life is here. And it's not just like this once and done thing in that the, the Greek language that's used there. It's like this continuing thing. It's like a participle. It's like you are continuing to be old and you're continuing to be made new as you follow Jesus and are made in his image. And so living like Jesus, living like Jesus means loving others like Jesus has loved you. This is how we are continuing to be made new in what he's done. And we're continuing to follow his godliness. We need to be, uh, pursue righteousness and true righteousness and holiness. And so here's the reality. Yes, we receive the righteousness of Christ. When you put your faith in him, he clothes you in his righteousness and he clothes you in his holiness. This is why the scripture says, be holy for I am holy. We get to be holy because he himself is holy. He's made us holy. Does this mean that we stop trying to do the right thing? And stop trying to be holy or, or different and unique. No, doesn't mean we stop it. We now work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to live the selfless life, to do the right thing, which is the loving thing. And the loving thing is often the hard thing for my selfish way of living. And you know what? That makes me so different than the world around me, doesn't it? I mean, who lives like this? Christ followers do. Why? Because we're under a new law. And then he says, so, and then he goes, therefore, so I say all of this for this reason. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now Paul says, hey, this new example, the first example of this new life in Christ is all about how you speak. Don't speak falsely. Tell what is truth. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. He goes, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your, while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So it's not just changing your words. You gotta change the way you live. You gotta change the way you act and behave. And then Paul comes back to our words and I want you to check this out. Listen to this. Do not let any unwholesome talk. And I want you to circle that because that's important to today and next week. Do not let any unwholesome talk 
come out of your mouths, but only, only, everybody say only. Only. That means nothing else. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That word unwholesome is a word that also means uh, rotten or bad. It's like bad fruit. So don't let any bad word, rotten fruit, bad words, rotten words come out of your mouth. So Paul, then what should we speak? Well, he goes on to say, well, you speak what is helpful. Well, how do I know that it's helpful, Paul? Well, it's helpful when it builds others up according to their needs. And it benefits those who are able to hear it. It doesn't build us up and tear others down. Because isn't that what we want to do? I mean, that's the natural tendency, isn't it? It's easy to, to build ourselves up by tearing others down. But he goes, no, 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 this isn't about benefiting you. This is about benefiting them. And we need to think about how our words impact others. And the reason is, so your religion, so your faith is not empty. So your faith isn't idle. So your faith isn't worthless. See, when our words have value and meaning, it shows that our gospel, that gospel of Jesus is mean, has meaning and value. Your faith isn't empty. Your faith isn't idle. And when we allow our tongue and we use our tongue, that we profess our faith with our tongue and that same tongue shapes words that become weapons. It's an empty faith. It's an idle faith. The words we speak must be helpful in building others up according to their needs. Why? So it benefits those who listen. This is how the law of Christ is expressed through our words, and we love others the way Jesus has loved us. So here's a teaching big idea I want to leave you with. Jesus has loved you. So use your words to build others up and not tear them down. Jesus has loved me. So I will use my words to build others up and not tear them down. Jesus said, as I loved you, you must love others. And they, the New Testament authors took this literally and they put this through every way of life, even how we speak. And because Jesus has loved us, we will use our words to love others by building others up and not tearing them down. Now, the problem is, is we live in a culture that is all selfishly motivated. And it's so easy to be conditioned to use our words to tear other people down and not build them up. It, 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 we tear them down to make ourselves look better. And because it's because we have this identity crisis, we feel like we have to be in control of making ourselves look better. So we'll say something. We'll say the negative thing to our spouse because really we're insecure and we want to say, we got to say something because we're struggling and we want to be, feel better about ourselves or we'll post something or we'll say something to our boss. And it's really all about our benefit and not them at all. And we got to resist that culture. We got to see, we got to resist being quick to tear other people down. We need, to, we, we, need to, we need to take ownership and control of what we speak and, 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 and you, with our spoken words and even our written words. This means we need to be careful of what we say on social media. We need to be quick to build others up. And you know what building others up is? That's encouragement. This is encouragement. You need to encourage others. This is what the law of Christ gives you total permission. You have total freedom. If James were to say this, because the law of Christ gives you freedom 
to encourage others. I love what Truett Cathy says. Truett Cathy is the, um, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He's a late founder of Chick-fil-A. And he says this, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? He says, that person is breathing. That person is breathing. I love what uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman says. He, he says that parents, you need to give your kids daily doses of what he calls vitamin E. You need to realize that your kids need daily doses of vitamin E. Your kids need encouragement. If your kids are still breathing, they need encouragement. If the person next to you is, is breathing, they need encouragement. It's important that we put a bit in our mouths and harness our words to speak encouraging words that build others up according to their needs so it benefits them. So this means we need to bridle our tongue. Now, does this mean we don't say anything at all? Well, maybe for a moment, but I want you to understand it's not enough just to be silent. That day and age, honestly, through the law of Christ, it's not just good enough to be silent. You have to harness your words. And through your attitude that is like Christ, you need to use your words to speak life, to be power for the good, for the benefit of those who listen. It's through the spoken word that people who listen, through the written word that people who listen can hear it and it benefits them. So it's not good enough just to be silent the entire time. You need to pray, how do I use my words to benefit others? So let's look at these four quick things as we end that benefit. How do we, how do we direct our words? How do we harness our words for the benefit of others? Well, verse 25 says to put off falsehood and speak truthfully. So first of all, we need to speak the truth, don't lie. Here's the reality. If it's a, if it's a lie, it's not loving. Lies are not loving. <laughs> Lies are unloving. Dishonesty is unloving. Lies don't benefit others. You and I need to speak the truth, and we need to speak the truth as it's other, otherwise directed by Paul in love. Now, there's a difference, and you need to understand this. Um, there's a difference between speaking the truth and sharing your opinion. In Jesus' name. We need to understand there's a difference, a big difference in sharing your opinion and then speaking the truth. See, your, our opinions, my opinions are not always true. And, and, and there are times and places to share your opinion. But when you share your opinion, you need to be able to share your opinion in a way that doesn't tear the other person down, but still builds them up. Why? Because we're on a other different law. We operate not according to the culture. We operate according to the law of Christ. That even with my words, I'm going to love others and build others up according to their needs, that it benefits those who listen. So how do I then share my opinion and not tear someone down with it? Well, when your opinion doesn't build someone up, we need to do what verse 29 says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths. <laughs> but he goes, so we need to rein in our unwholesome talk. That's what we need to do. We need to rein it in. We need to put a bit in it. If it's rotten, we need to put a bit in it. If it's worthless, we need to put a bit in it. If it's a bad thing, if it doesn't build others up, we need to put, put a bit in it. If I know this is going to hurt my spouse and really I kind of want it to hurt my spouse, I need to put a bit in it and control that power for harnessing it for the good. If I know this is going to discourage my kids, I need to put a bit in it. If I know that this is going to spark something in the office or I'm going to, I'm going to do something that I know I'm going to post this on social media and I'm going to spark. I need to put a bit in it and control it to harness this for the good. If this is unhelpful, I need to put a bit in it because Jesus has loved me 
And I'm going to leverage my words for the benefit of others. So put a bit in our mouths and rein in our unwholesome talk so we can do what's next. Say what is helpful and hopeful. He says only what is helpful. (laughs) Only what is helpful. Not what is helpful to me. But see, we look into the perfect law of Christ and we can say, does this benefit them? Because Jesus did everything to benefit me. He gave up his life so I could find life. And the word made flesh came in this world for me. And so I'm going to use the power of my words to speak what is helpful. And and if it's not helpful, I'm going to put a bit in it. If it's not hopeful, if it doesn't speak hope, I'm going to put a bit in it. This is how we can encourage others, giving them daily doses of vitamin E. But not according to what we need. Jesus put our needs ahead of his own while he was on this earth. So we need to then do what's next, build others up according to their needs. Well, what do people need? Well, this is why we're doing that study called I Said This, You Heard That. If you were missed last week, we shared about this study that we want to encourage you to do. Maybe do this with your spouse. It, this is something you can go on through at your own pace. It, you can create a group. I encourage you to maybe do this with someone in your workplace. But, um, or, or if you've got a group that you're already part of, do this with them. Do this with your family if they're, they're old enough to do it along with you. Uh, we have books, uh, a couple books left uh, on sale in the back. Uh, you can also get this online at Amazon. The, the videos are free on YouTube. Um, you, can, you can find this. Just search, I said this, you heard that. This will help you put this Ephesians 4.29 into practice so you can speak words that build others up according to their needs, according to their needs that they might need attention or they might need appreciation. They might need your words of loyalty more than anything else or your words of concern and care and harmony and, and creating, a, and, and you, they need you to deliver that in a calm way. They need, they have needs and you're gonna understand their needs and you're gonna be able to build them up according to their needs. Not what you need, but what they need. And then last Use your words to benefit those who are listening. Ask the question, who's going to hear this? Who's going to read this? So I say this to the end for a reason. You're going to still love me after this, right? There's a reason I didn't say, I didn't want you to forget anything. I remember, you know, only this. This is a, something you guys need to, some of us here need to watch on Facebook and social media. We need to ask it and put it through the filter. Does this benefit the readers? Does this benefit those who listen? And maybe for this reason, you may, might need to get completely off of social media because you can't say anything on that platform. And let me tell you the seriousness of it. And I say this in all sincerity, and I know you're going to love me for this, okay? This is hard. When your words don't match your faith, you destroy the gospel message of Jesus. That has gravity. We are responsible for that. Do you still love me? Just for the record, I'm not on social media or Facebook and and trolling your Facebook pages, okay? I don't do that. I'm not on there. But we need to leverage our words for the benefit of others. We need to leverage our words. Why? Because Jesus came to serve us and show us his love for us. And he leveraged his life to show you he loves you.
And he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it's not just with your actions, but it's with your words. This is how the New Testament taught. This is how James said it. He goes, don't make your faith idle. Don't make it worthless. Use your words. Control your tongue. Rate it in. Put a bit in it. And so I have two questions for you as we go today. Are you building yourself up by tearing others down? Or are you building them up because Jesus, the word made flesh, has loved you? Jesus, the word, the reason for everything, who through his spoken world created everything, shows you how much he loves you. And he gives you the power and shows you, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead alive in you. Harness that power for the benefit of others. Give daily doses of vitamin E because if they are breathing, they need to be built up and not torn down. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth and your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to show us that love. God, this is a hard message to hear, but it's also an encouraging message to hear too. And so I pray that you forgive us for when we've fallen short. And I pray that you build us up and encourage us and empower us for where we are short. And you give us the courage to put this into practice. And may we begin to build others up and not tear them down because this is how Jesus showed us his love. And we are under his law. And we want the gospel to have the power that it truly has that brings us freedom and brings freedom to the world. In your name, amen. Hi, our prayer partners are available. They'd love to pray with anyone for any reason today. Also, if you haven't got a pick with mom, go take her to the back wall, get a pick, and give her a little gift for being with us today. Mom, we got a gift for you. God bless you, Westside. We'll see you next Sunday.